Well, good morning. I'm Caleb. I'm the lead pastor here. If we haven't met yet, and I am actually going to be talking about Lazarus this morning, the guy, the painting that was just mentioned in that video, because we are marching toward Easter, and we are preparing for this march. Easter is the big deal. It's, it's the big event of the year for people who follow Jesus. And you might be here and you might not follow Jesus, but you're checking it out, you're investigating. And so just let me tell you, Easter is a big deal. And so last week, we talked about Peter walking on water and the wow that anything is possible. Jesus walks on water, Peter sees it, Peter walks on water, and how crazy that was. This morning, we'll be talking about the fact that Jesus raised another man named Lazarus from the dead. And uh, there are all kinds of things in this story questions to ask, observations to make, and we'll look at those things. And then there's one overall theme that we will get to and that we will see by the end. So let's jump in. There's a lot to talk about. John chapter 11. If you're not familiar with your Bible or church, John is a guy who wrote about the life of Jesus because he saw it. He witnessed it. Not only did he witness it, he was Jesus' friend. Not only was he Jesus' friend, he was in Jesus' inner circle of friends. And so he wrote down this account from his perspective based on his relationship with Jesus and the things that he saw and heard with his own eyes and his own ears. John chapter 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. Say Lazarus. Lazarus. It's just fun to say. Like Francisco, right. (laughs) He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume, perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, what would you expect? Jesus to do when he hears that his good friends have gone to this effort to send him a message that his really good friend, Lazarus, is very sick. What would you expect God to do when good people that love God, that God loves, cry out in need? What would you expect God to do when you say, God, I need you. Show up. Fix this. He's going to die. This is bad. Come quick. Hurry. Let's go. What we're going to see is that Jesus doesn't do what we would expect him to do in this story. And yet, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love them. And it doesn't mean that he's not going to do something. This is a very important story because you will be able to find yourself in this story. You have already experienced something like this, no doubt, and you will again in your life. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God, who's Jesus, he's talking about himself there, will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was 
the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go. Finally. You understand that word, finally, don't you? Finally. God, seriously, are you kidding me? Finally. Something. Finally. Have you ever experienced what it feels like to wait on God? It's something that's so far out of your control. You can't fix it. You can't change it. You can't do it. And you pray and you talk and you, and you say, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Would you please? And then finally he does it. All the while you're struggling. God, I'm dying here. This last year has been like that for me on a smaller scale. You have no doubt been through probably more difficult things. But just this last year of negotiating and trying to figure out this movie theater, this Regency movie theater deal, it's just like a God, come on. Seriously? This couldn't take any longer. This is so brutal. Where are you? Don't you care? Look at us. We're and it's a year, but it's felt like a dog year. It's felt like seven. You know what I mean? I mean, have you, have you had that where it's like, this has felt like an eternity. And then finally, good things are happening. Finally, we're done with the negotiation. Whatever. Finally, finally, finally. You've been there. It turns out that God is never too late. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. Verse 12, the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will get better. That's a good thing. He should rest. Why would we want to walk all the way there just to wake him up when he's resting? They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was still, was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, like you got to do for people like me, Lazarus is dead. (laughs) And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Now, there are some things in life that seem really final. There are some things in life that you don't think can be undone. For instance, those of you who have kids or cut your own hair, you might might know what it's like to massacre your kid's hair. You might know what it's like to do something like this to your child's head. I came home and I said, Hillary, I love that you're saving us some money and you're doing great in so many things in life. But why would you even take the guard off? Well, we got to get around the ears. No, you don't. He's too. You don't have to get around the ears all perfectly. You just don't. Leave the guard on. You can't undo that. All you can do is is this. (laughs) Which is genius, by the way. And Jack walked around for the next three weeks saying, I'm Flash. You make the mess into a lightning bolt. But some things just can't be undone. Some things even worse than a bad haircut. Some things like bankruptcy, that'll stick with you. Some things like a foreclosure. Some things like divorce. These have a way of just kind of marking 
Leaving scars, you can't unwind that thing. Some things you just can't undo, like death. Right? Maybe? At, at least, I mean, we're, we're Americans in the 21st century, and even if you've never been in church before, you've heard people talk about Jesus and a resurrection, and if you've gone to church, you've probably heard about this guy Lazarus being raised from the dead by Jesus. But in this day, when this is happening, no one had heard of that kind of stuff. It hadn't happened before. It's, no, it's not on anyone's radar. So it's not only far-fetched, it's not crossing the mind. Death is final after all, isn't it? But what if it's not? What if death isn't final? That would change everything. Jesus is preparing his followers for Easter. Because no one comes back from death, right? Question. First, let me read this to you. Finally, they arrived at Bethany. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. God, if you just would have... You understand that? God, you could have, and you didn't. If you just would have prevented, if you just would have made me aware, if you just would have fixed, if you just would have healed, but you didn't. And Martha blames Jesus for this situation because you could have changed it. You could have fixed it by now. You could have done something. And some of you need to ask yourself the question, where am I blaming God? What do I blame on God? Because some of us are stuck in this place of blame and we can't go on because we're just going around and around thinking in our heads, God, but you could have. God, but you should have and you didn't. And so we're not looking for silver lining. We're not looking for miracles anymore. We've given up on this thing and we are just stuck in this place, cycling through reasons and what ifs and God, you didn't. Blaming God. He can handle it. He can handle it. But you're stuck. Verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. In other words, I believe that heaven is for real. And Jesus says, yeah, 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 that's good. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about right now. 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? And we have to pause here and just look at those words, maybe read it again to yourself and just think, what? Like, wait, wait, this is a little bit confusing, Jesus. Uh, you said that 
Anyone who believes in you will live even after dying. But then you said, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Which is it? To which Jesus might respond, yes. <laughs> and Martha's like, wait, no, 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 no. You said, you said would never die, but just before that you said will live even after dying. And then you said, do you believe this, Martha? And I'm telling you, not sure that I can because I don't get it. I don't understand it. This is confusing to me. And here's something really, really important that we need to hear and we need to let sink in. Just because it doesn't make sense to you does not mean it doesn't make sense. Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. It doesn't mean that God isn't bigger than this. It doesn't mean that somehow, in the mind of God, it makes perfect sense. And there's a bigger plan that we don't fully understand. And so maybe Jesus would ask you a similar question this morning. Do you believe, Dan? Do you believe, Sue? Do you believe, Jake? Do you believe, Melinda? Yeah, but I don't understand it. it doesn't, like, like, does he have to die? Like, but, but you said, but you don't have to understand it. Do you believe? Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that in all things, that's total, all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And then look at this famous proverb. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in him. Even when it doesn't make perfect sense to you. And the story continues. That was Martha talking with God. Now her sister Mary comes out to talk with Jesus. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. Now notice that Jesus gets angry. Did you know he got angry? Did you know that this was such an injustice that he was angry? Did you know that he did not like seeing his friends in pain? And so he got angry. This isn't the way that it was supposed to be. This isn't the way that I designed it, he might have been thinking. And he was upset about it. And a couple of verses later, it says that he was also very sad and that he wept or burst into tears over this. Jesus feels the full expansion of emotion, especially around grief. He gets it. He's with you in it. And he feels what you feel. And he's angry over the pain. And he cries with us. And then he says, where have you put him? Where have you put him? 
Where have you buried the dead guy? And maybe God would whisper to you this morning, where have you buried the dead stuff? Where have you buried this? Where have you put this thing that you've given up on? Where have you buried your hopes, your dreams? Where have you settled and just said, this is just the way it is? I'm burying it here. Jesus says, let's take a walk and see about those things that you say are dead or lost or impossible. Then in verse 39, he gets to the place and he says, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days and the smell will be terrible. Now in the Jewish faith and the Jewish tradition, they would leave the tomb open for three days just in case they were wrong <laughs> and, and the guy was actually alive. They figured that would be enough time. But the fourth day, they sealed that sucker up. And so maybe Jesus intentionally waited till the fourth day to show up on the scene so that it was good and sealed. It was, it was past the point of no return. This is a done and done deal. You can't undo this. The massive stone has been rolled in front. It's sealed and done. And Martha panics when Jesus says, roll this thing away. Roll this stone away. And she says, no, 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 no. You don't want to do that. It's going to stink really, really bad. Uh, Jesus, no, no. You know, I, I, I shouldn't have brought you here after all. Uh, uh, let's not dig up the past. Jesus, I don't know. I don't know. This, this doesn't seem like such a good idea after all. Roll the stone aside. And then Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Now let's talk about that glory word just for a moment because I think you hear the word glory. There's a movie named Glory, and you think about the glory of maybe the people, uh, the team that wins the national title in this March Madness thing, or the Golden State Warriors and their glory, or, or if you get elevated to some position and you get glory from that. But it's probably not a word you use all the time. I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary or the online dictionary.com, and here's what it says glory is. Great praise, honor, distinction. And I think that that's a good definition because we understand that there's great praise and honor around glory. We get that, but distinction is really important because the glory of God is distinct from any other idea that you have about praise or honor or, or spotlight or pedestal or whatever else. The, the glory of God is distinct. There's people that do awesome stuff. There's people that, that deserve some accolades and some cheers and some attaboys. And then there's a God who raises things from the dead. Then there's a God who does crazy miracles when everyone else has given up and not even thought that it could go down this way. And that's real glory. That is distinct. And Jesus says, you will see that distinct glory, my kind of glory, the kind you didn't expect and look for or plan for if you would just believe. 
Do you believe? I think we need to answer that question here up front, even before we get to the miracle, because it's really important. Jesus is suggesting to you that even if you don't believe, get this, even if you don't believe, you're still going to see a cool miracle. Like he's still going to do what he's about to do. And all the people that are there, the friends and family, they're crying and wailing. They, They didn't believe. And they still got to see the cool thing. But when you believe, you get to see the face of God. When you believe, you get to experience being with the God who weeps with you when you weep, who is angry with you when you're angry, who walks with you no matter what. The God who can work all things together for good, you get to be with him in the miracle. If you don't believe, you still will see the miracle. Your people are around, that's nice. But when, you're, when you believe, you're with him right in the middle of it. You see what he's doing. You get to experience it in a different kind of way. Because God is never too late. And so we can believe while we wait. The story goes on. Jesus looked up into heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Dang. (laughs) I mean, that's like the wow moment of all wow moments. If you could somehow just like put yourself there 2,000 years ago when nothing like this had ever even been talked about, let alone witnessed, you would just be in absolute mind-blown, trembling awe. This guy just raised that guy from the dead. The man who was dead is no longer dead. Death has been undone. This is a resurrection. And Jesus was preparing his followers for Easter. And Jesus is still preparing his followers for Easter because he's the only one who brings dead things back to life. He's the only one that is never too late and he's the only one that invites you to see miracles that you didn't even dare to believe if you would just walk with him. And even when Jesus doesn't answer you the way you think he should. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that he's not with you. And it doesn't mean that he's still not going to do something. Two final important observations. Look at this next verse. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet were bound in the grave clothes. His face was wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Sometimes 
when you think about the Bible, maybe, or you grew up hearing stories, if you did, it kind of has this, ah, this like glowy kind of deal. Maybe Lazarus just kind of like floated out of the tomb, like waving, like at a parade. That's not at all how it happened. The dude was bound up with linens from head to toe. Like somewhere between 50 and 100 pounds worth of grave clothes. All these linens with spices and herbs and preserving agents woven into it. Maybe up to 100 pounds. This 5'3 guy weighed down by that. Now, why, if Jesus is going to go to the trouble of raising someone from the dead, why doesn't he just liberate him from the death clothes, too? But he doesn't. Instead, Lazarus is not floating out or walking out. The dead man's hopping out <laughs> and mumbling something like, hey, help, me, help a brother out, you know? He's got the thing. He's all bound up. He's hopping out of the grave. It wasn't sexy. (laughs) And the Bible isn't. It's real. And this is the way Jesus does it. Why? Why doesn't Jesus just miraculously remove all the dead stuff? Here are three things that I think we should consider. One, so that everyone can touch the miracle. He says, go, unwrap them, set them free. I want you to have your hands on this miracle too. I want you to see, feel, touch, experience this miracle. It's about Lazarus and it's about you. I want you to participate. The second thing, so that we can see that healing and recovery and restoration is a process. It doesn't just happen. Someone doesn't come to one church service and they're just like, done, like never do anything bad again in their life. It's a process. Take the time. Unwind these grave clothes. Help get the dead stuff off. Help this guy out. Be with him in the journey. It's not instantaneous. And then the third thing, so that we learn to help others and show grace. Here's the thing. If you don't regularly find yourself helping other people shed the dead stuff of life. You're missing out on miracles. If you find yourself kind of consumed in your own religious world of taking in more information, of doing the right stuff, of looking the part and getting the gold stars and going to this conference and this event and whatever, and it's all about you, You're missing it because Jesus says, here are the miracles, and I want you to be a part of it. Here is the life change. Here is where dead things are coming back to life, and I have a role for you to play. If it's already happened in your life, there's a role for you to play. You help them get the dead stuff off of them. That's what you need to do. You need to be up close and personal. You need to be willing to help them shed all of those things. It's messy. It's not sexy, 
but it's part of it. And this is where you see miracles. And I'm telling you, friends, there are miracles happening around you all the time. Don't miss the miracles. Lives are changing around here all the time. And you have a role to play in helping people shed the old stuff and walking with and encouraging and experiencing this new life. You, you do. You have a part to play. Here's the last thing. John 12, 17 says this. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. They just couldn't help it. I, I, saw, I saw this dude raise a guy from the dead. I can't keep that to myself. You got to know. You got to know this Jesus. And they just told people, and, and they passed it along. And they said, if I could just, come on, come on, if I could just get you in proximity to Jesus, it would change everything. Yeah, but I'm not really a church person. I don't really want to go, and the library is weird, and there's purple seats. I can do without that. It's not, oh, okay, okay, well, don't even worry about that. We're doing this thing in the park on Saturday. Can you come there? There might be Chick-fil-A there. And, or or there's, there's women, they do this coffee thing. Just come to that. Or I'll host something at my house. I don't even care. I have fun friends. We'll come over. And you, I just want you in proximity to the God who brings dead things back to life. That's all I want for you. I just want you in proximity. They, they would tell people. They would tell people. I just heard a story this last week of a guy in our church named John who was at a bar in downtown HB, and he was just hanging out, watching a game, drinking a beer, conversating with the people around him. And there was one uh, woman in particular who was there, and they started talking. And I don't know the circumstances of her life. I don't know what was going on. But for whatever reason, when he said, hey, you should come to my church, she decided to do that. And she had her life impacted. And she has since brought a bunch of other people to this church and maybe sitting around you right now. Because when you know the only one who brings dead things back to life, you don't want to be the weirdo on TV religious person, and that's not it. It's just the person who says, I don't know, but if I could just get you in proximity to the God who brings dead things back to life, the God who weeps with you, the God who's angry with you and on your behalf, the God who loves you and cares about this even more than you do, the God who's never late, he's still going to do something. And I just want you near this God. Would you come and see? Would you come with me and see? Would you bring someone? Would you invite someone? Would you have a conversation with someone? And then I know that there's some of you who, who are, you feel like you're the dead person hopping out. You just desperately need a resurrection in some area of your life. And I believe that that can begin, that can be very real today. And so we're all going to sing together. The band's going to play. We're going to sing. That's how we respond and I want to invite you, if that's you, and you're just kind of, you're feeling that. This is hitting you, and you're just saying, I need resurrection. I need new hope, new life. I need it. 
then will you just be the first to jump to your feet because we're going to sing. We're going to do that right now. Let's stand up.